Care Norris scrubs are designed with you, our healthcare heroes, in mind. Our luxurious scrubs are the perfect blend of style and comfort, giving you the freedom to feel confident and look your best while providing exceptional care. For a limited time, enjoy 20% off of our scrubs with code MCMS20 at karenware.com. Thank you for all that you do for patients and families every day. And um, it's great that we're going to start to produce more um, physicians, but again, at what cost? And so um, that's where absolutely I do think there is opportunity for um, potentially, and I know that this can be polarizing, but I do think potentially there's some room for government oversight, particularly when we know when uh, some of these public schools, the professors aren't necessarily getting paid more money, um, yet the tuition continues to go up. Hi, and welcome to the Arizona Physician Podcast. My name is John McElligot, your host for today's episode, and we've got two special guests, a married couple, to talk about Elevate Med. Dr. Alex Porter Humphrey is a highly regarded physician leader and philanthropist with a passion for equity, diversity, and inclusion. Through her leadership, she has served on the boards of publicly traded companies and nonprofit organizations across the country and serves as a neuro-oncologist at the Mayo Clinic in Arizona. A lifelong learner, she completed her neurology residency and neuro-oncology fellowship at Mayo Clinic School of Graduate Medical Education and received her MD degree from Temple University School of Medicine. She received her BA from Spelman College. One of Dr. Porter Humphrey's greatest contributions to medicine outside of Elevate Med is being co-author of the best-selling resource for, for patients and families coping with brain tumors called Navigating Life with a Brain Tumor. Dr. Porter is a member of the executive operative team at Mayo Clinic in Arizona, where she serves as the chair of the outpatient practice. She is a founding member of Women in Neuro-Oncology, an organization that is responsible for providing substantive opportunities for networking, career enhancement, research, and innovations for female neuro-oncologists through the Society of Neuro-Oncology. She's also a proud member of the Delta Sigma Theta sorority. Dr. Gregory Umfrey, is originally from Albuquerque, New Mexico, not too far away. He's a physical medicine and rehabilitation physician in Phoenix, specializing in interventional musculoskeletal ultrasound and musculoskeletal and spine rehabilitation. He's board certified by the American Board of Physical Medicine and Rehab. A former gymnast who competed on the national and international levels had some very interesting experiences at his gymnast uh, with his brother as well. So I, I urge all the listeners to read more about Dr. Gregory Humphrey's background as a gymnast. He earned his Bachelor of Science degree in microbiology and molecular genetics from UCLA. And after some work in the UCLA athletic department, he matriculated to Howard University College of Medicine, where he received his medical degree with high honors, being inducted into the Alpha Omega Alpha Medical Honor Society. He participated in the orthopedic surgery residency at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, and then completed residency training in physical medicine and rehab at the Mayo Clinic, during which time he was elected chief resident of the physical medicine and rehab program and was an on-site team physician for high school football in Minnesota. Thank you so much uh, for everything that you've accomplished to date and what you're doing with Elevate Med, but welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having Thank us, John. Thank you. There's a lot in your bios that I did not cover, but I wanted to ask you, Dr. Alex, first, uh, anything that you wanted to, to tell listeners about 
your bio and your background that really relates and, and resonates with uh, Elevate Med? Well, the listeners might be um, surprised to know I'm an Arizona native. There are not too many of us that are uh, walking around here. And so it really has been um, a privilege and a joy for me to uh, come back to Arizona, to spend my career here, to invest um, in uh, the future generation of physicians here in Arizona, as well as across the country. And so um, there's nothing quite like a homecoming. So maybe that's something that wasn't quite in the bio that the listeners might appreciate. It is. Greg, anything about your background that you want to say? Well, unlike Alex, I'm not from Arizona. As you mentioned, I'm from Albuquerque, uh, born and raised there, um, come from a, a family of six. Uh, so two other brothers and three sisters. And we were fortunate enough to um, have had great support from our parents, both of them being um, high, uh, teachers, uh, both of them being uh, teachers in, in middle school and elementary school, teaching for over 50 years uh, for both of them. My mom retired at 50 years of teaching. My dad retired at 55 years of teaching, but they really promoted education and especially higher education in order to uh, be productive members of society. So um, in delving with that, as well as my gymnastics career, you know, I was um, fortunate enough to, to have gotten a full ride to UCLA uh, in order to carry out my dream of, of being a high level uh, physician or sorry, a high level athlete in gymnastics in particular. And so I would say those are the biggest things. I, you know, certainly had a lot of accomplishments in gymnastics. Ultimately, I did not make the Olympic team, but I uh, got close. Um, uh, but I was fortunate enough to have two family members, both of them in the Olympics. Uh, my oldest brother making the 96 Olympic team and my younger brother being an Olympic gymnastics coach for this most recent uh, Tokyo Games. Congratulations to your family and especially your parents. Thank you. Um, we want to talk today about what you're doing with Elevate Med. And I think... The first question, probably the most important, is why. Dr. Alex Porter, if you tell us, please, why you started Elevate Med. Absolutely. This is probably my favorite thing to talk about. So when I um, went to medical school, the whole goal was to just get in. And we really hadn't considered, I hadn't considered how it was going to be paid for. Um, like Greg, I was fortunate. I had a full scholarship to Spelman College. And so um, I worked so hard to just get into medical school. And the very first day before we even took any classes, we got separated into the haves and the have-nots. And those who had not um, had some similar demographics, I'll say. And we were taken to this room and we had a choice to make that day. There were three tables around the room. One was um, a military table. So you could join the military uh, at that point in time. And uh, however many years the military uh, funded you, you then needed to repay in uh, service. Kind of along the same vein, there was a primary care table. If you said that day before you'd even taken a class in medical school that you were interested in going into primary care, um, they would support your um, matriculation through medical school. And then you would be assigned to go wherever um, service was needed for uh, whatever area of primary care you went into. The third table though, um, was the one that I ended up um, sort of signing on the line. And that was uh, to take out a combination of private and federal loans. And Greg and I didn't get together until we were in residency. Um, but once we um, started having serious conversations about what our relationship would look like, I realized he made a similar decision that I did that day. And together we owed half a million dollars in medical school debt. And so 
what we wished um, we had was a fourth table that day, um, an Elevate Med table. And so what we've created with Elevate Med is what we wish we'd had. We wish we had scholarship support, scholarship options um, at the time that we were in medical school. We wish we had mentorship, mentors who look like us doing what we do, because we recognize there are so many different uh, barriers to try to navigate towards a successful career in medicine. And for many people that are coming from underrepresented backgrounds, we're often the first in our families in so many ways. And so that mentorship ends up being critically important. We wish we had some financial wellness education. We know that uh, students that are coming from underrepresented backgrounds often have higher levels of indebtedness as it pertains to their undergraduate careers, as well as their medical school careers. Unfortunately, we also know that um, women and people of color often get paid less, um, even in medicine. And so navigating sort of the debt burden and um, some of those other uh, challenges ends up being critically important to have uh, increased financial literacy. And then finally, we know that physicians are leaders in whatever, um, uh, whatever spaces they uh, hold. And so having some leadership development is critically important um, for both of us and something that we wish that we had in our medical school education. And so ultimately what we created with Elevate Med was filling a gap that we saw in our experiences as we were matriculating throughout our careers. So having that scholarship, mentorship, leadership development, and financial wellness education are the four pillars that um, that comprise our program. We launched in 2019. To date, we've awarded over half a million dollars in scholarships and support to medical students who identify as underrepresented from across the country, um, a number of whom are here in Arizona. Thank you so much. Um... I'd imagine the costs since the two of you graduated have just continued to rise. So um, that's a lot to try to cover. I wanted to ask you, and maybe Dr. Umphrey, you can cover this. The organization talks about, quote, an ideal where the physician workforce racially and ethnically represents the community served. With that in mind, what does success look like to you, maybe the medium term or the long term? Well, I think in both, um, success is two ways. Number one, financially, um, we know that medical school um, costs a significant burden, you know, with regards to public schools, private schools, even more. Um, we know that, you know, coming out of medical school, you know, the debt burden is, you know, over $250,000, you know, for underrepresented minority students who are already starting with at a lower poverty, poverty level, a lot of times they, um, you know, maybe coming out with a higher debt, we're talking over $300,000. I know when we came out, we had my combined debt with Alex's combined debt, debt. So we were nearly a half a million dollars. And then we were trying to, you know, support a, a mortgage and everything else from that standpoint. So, um, you know, I think if we can provide a program that can help to reduce the cost burden of medical school, number one, um, and to provide those resources, um, the, the mentorship, the financial training, learning how to manage your money as, you know, while you're in medical school, while you're in residency, because in residency, you, you make very little, little, and most people will defer uh, their medical school loans, uh, which are accruing interest until you can pay them back just because, you know, the, you, you don't make enough necessary to, to pay your loans off. And so that just accrues. Um, and so learning how to kind of manage that, I think, um, is is a huge thing. And, you know, from our program, we can offer that through, you know, we can see different success uh, from that standpoint. I think as a practitioner, you know, there's not a lot of patients or not a lot of physicians that look like us. And we have patients that come in and, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, they, they see a provider, they see one provider and another provider, and they want to feel that comfort. They want to feel like, oh, I know what this provider has gone through because you know they they relate to me. They they understand me better. 
patients obviously direct their care, but um, care can be um, looked at, you know, differently as, you know, who they're being treated, how they're being treated. Um, I have a lot of patients who, you know, look like me, they come in and they just feel that natural connection. Um, and so they're more apt to carry out those things that I tell them. They're more apt to do those things or you know, the potentially maybe even, even get better because they stay with the medical program that we decide together uh, because they feel, you know, comfortable. So I think it's, you know, kind of not only the financial aspect, but the actual working with the patient too. Yeah, thank you. There's a lot of uh, growing uh, body of evidence that shows the diversity, a greater diversity of the physician workforce tied to the patients that they're seeing may lead to better patient care, right? Just what you're mm-hmm. saying, that patients more likely to disclose some information, to follow through on the regimen or whatever's happening, and to feel that connection like that's a place where they can be be seen for who they are and where they're coming from. Um, what systemic changes do you think are needed to reduce the costs of medical school? Are we just like in an out of control increase in costs? Is this the structure that we've got set up now? Here in Arizona, we have uh, six medical schools, one in Tucson, now five in in the Phoenix Valley. Um, There may be more on the way. And once you build a massive infrastructure and everything that's needed, that costs a lot of money to maintain. Yeah, the question that you're raising, John, is critically important because we know that cost is the number one reason why bright and talented, diverse undergrads are choosing to pursue careers other than medicine. So we absolutely know that there's a problem. Um, and you're, the way that you described it is absolutely correct. The tuition numbers aren't necessarily going down anywhere. There are some medical schools that have started to have um, a sort of tuition waivers, those sorts of uh, programs. NYU is coming to mind. There's a medical school um, uh, in California that's connected with Kaiser that has a similar sort of program to try to entice people to, to come to medical school, number one, but also to entice people to go into primary care. And I do think there's a program at the University of Arizona Phoenix um, that's of the similar vein because we know that there's a shortage of primary care physicians, particularly in the state of Arizona. And so, yes, I think that that is a public health issue. And absolutely, um, organizations like yours that have been involved in advocacy, we absolutely have to get involved in some of the legislation and we have to get down to really the root of what the challenge is. These costs have become astronomical. And do we really need more? medical schools in our state is a question, or do we need to increase the medical school classes? Do we need to try to combine resources um, and pool? Because now we have these different medical schools that are having challenges being able to find rotations for their students um, because of the number of hospitals in the Metro Phoenix area. So there are so many um, opportunities for collaboration. And I understand why um, different organizations may um, uh, want to delve into this space. And um, it's great that we're going to start to produce more um, physicians, but again, at what cost? And so um, that's where absolutely I do think there is opportunity for um, potentially, and I know that this can be polarizing, but I do think potentially there's some room for government oversight, particularly when we know when uh, some of these public schools, the professors aren't necessarily getting paid more money, um, yet the tuition continues to go up. So um, at some point, we have to be able to answer for that. Yeah, there's some hard questions, uh, I think, that are coming. Here's another one, and then we'll take a short break. When you're looking at the various levels of government and who could provide funding, what role do you think the local, state, or federal government should do to provide more adequate funding? 
I think if you're trying to increase the number of you know, doctors and in particular doctors from underrepresented groups that uh, you do need to, you know, be able to provide some type of funding. Now, you know, certainly it varies with regards to public schools versus private institutions. But um, I think that, you know, potentially like on a public level, that's where the government could step in. And, you know, it, it would be, I think, advantageous to be able to provide some some level of tuition support um, because you, the goal ultimately is to, is to attract those that are, you know, in our case, not not represented well in medicine, and um, you know, to to not distract them from not wanting to go into medicine because you know they, they see this, these exorbitant costs of med, med, medical school, and you know they can be very bright and very talented, but they never try because that cost is just a big hurdle. So I think you know if you know, government can can step in and provide some of that, you know, offset with regards to public institutions, I, that would that would help private institutions that would probably be more on, you know, private entities, state, potentially um, involvement with that. But um, I, and I agree with Alex, I, I think that, you know, teachers are not necessarily getting paid more, um, you know, certainly a lot of the funding, a lot of the money goes to research uh, opportunities through through the programs, you know, building new complexes, um, a lot of different things, um, you know, educating the students and, and such. But, you know, there cer certainly should be some way that they can um, kind of mitigate those costs, burdens, uh, especially in, besides the medical school aspect of training, you have the living expense on top of that, too. Yeah, there are probably a lot of medical students, to your point, who um, could do with a, uh, a less fancy building if it meant that they would come out with, a, a you know, 500 Fifty thousand or or hundred thousand dollars less in yeah. um, in the amount of money they owe. So um, we'll take a short break and continue our conversation with doctors Alex Porter and Greg Humphrey and talking about Elevate Med. We'll be right back. Interested in CME, patient and professional referrals, networking and connecting with other physicians across the valley want to be highlighted in our Arizona Physician Magazine and Podcast, or interested in exclusive discounts for your next vacation? At MCMS, we offer all of the above to fit your needs as a physician. Join us now. For more info, check us out at mcmsonline.com or give us a call today at 602-252-2015. Welcome back to the Arizona Physician Podcast. Our guests today are doctors Alex Porter and Greg Humphrey, and they co-founded Elevate Med. On the first half of the show, we talked about why they launched the organization, what success may look like going forward, and talked a little bit about the cost of medical school and, and the role that government may have in providing adequate funding. Now let's talk about what else the two of you are hearing from your colleagues. And so outside of scholarships, uh, what are you hearing from students about the help that they need from practicing physicians and the reverse. What are you hearing from practicing physicians and your colleagues about how they would like to provide support to students? Yeah, you know, in a lot of ways, um, what we're doing with Elevate Med is the answer to your question. And so one of the things that um, in addition to the scholarships, the mentorship, leadership development and financial wellness, that's part of our program, 
I would say one of the most beautiful things um, that's part of being an Elevate Med scholar is now the students that are selected for our program have this peer network of like-minded individuals. And they're coming from campuses where they feel a little bit like unicorns, if you will. They're, they might be the only ones that feel the way they do about um, wanting to make a difference in this particular space within healthcare, feel very strongly about eradicating health disparities, caring for the underserved, um, you know, having a voice for those that are underrepresented. And so there's so much power when they're able to come together, network with one another, learn from one another, share those experiences. And so um, often the students will remark like, we don't know what you did, but you guys um, chose right uh, because they really connect with one another very quickly. And so between having these co this cohort of students and also having our board of directors, which are comprised of um, many diverse physician, you know, physicians, healthcare executives, folks who um, are invested in uh, the future of healthcare, being able to have those interactions, I also think are critically important. And so that's what we're hearing, I would say, from the students, having a space where they can learn um, some of the things that we're teaching, because again, this is a gap in medical school education. And also on the physician end, who the physicians, I have to tell you, John, are um, the most common uh, folks that donate to our program because they understand um, this problem so well. And so for physicians saying, man, I wish I had that sort of information when I was um, at their stage of matriculation in, in my career. And more of this is what we need because we know when you have a more diverse physician workforce, not only is it better for our patients for all the reasons that you and Greg mentioned before, but it's also better for one another as colleagues because we learn from one another and um, we develop friendships with one another and we're spending time on weekends and doing different things. And so then when we're faced with that patient who may look different than us, have a different background than us, which is most of the time, by the way, yeah. we all have differences. We all are have <clears throat> unique cultural experiences. We're that much better suited to be able to care for their needs. And so this is, you know, there's always, um, we know the um, tremendous financial impact that having diversity makes in the uh, financial space. But I think that the impact that having diversity in uh, the healthcare space is just exponential. And uh, certainly we have to be able to move forward and Elevate Med is one way to do that. Thank you so much. That was very helpful. A quick follow-up to that is if there are colleagues of yours who are not ready for whatever reason to write a check, but they have their time. Of the programs that you have, what have you found really resonates with people to, to make them more apt to get involved than not? Yeah, thanks for that question. It's um, There's so many opportunities to get involved with Elevate Med. And so um, we can, I'll go from those that are more time um, inclusive to those that are less. So. Um, if someone is interested in serving as an Elevate Med mentor, we have the opportunity to pair you with an Elevate Med scholarship recipient. And we do our best to pair mentors with students um, based on what the student is looking for. Sometimes it's someone who shares the same racial and ethnic background who's doing something that they wanna do in the future. Sometimes it's someone who uh, runs a private practice and they wanna learn more about that. And so signing up to be part of our mentor network is um, one option. If you're not paired directly with a student, you become part of the mentor database. And so any student who's uh, nominated for the Elevate Med Scholars Program has access to this database and they can click on um, different folks. And we have just basic demographics if they're in academics or in the community. 
um, or in an underserved clinic, for example. And so the student has been instructed, just you know, click on the um, name, send the person an email, identify yourself as an Elevate Med Scholar. And then there's an opportunity for you to connect with that student that perhaps doesn't take that same level of intensive mentoring that we're recommending for our Elevate Med Scholars, who we suggest that they meet with their mentors maybe once a month. We have monthly programming for the students based on some of the tenets of the program, whether it's financial wellness or um, leadership development. And so there are opportunities for speakers. So if um, anyone has expertise in those areas, we're always looking. Those are typically on a Saturday morning. Um, and then, of course, uh, coming to our events um, is an easy way to sort of dip your toe in the water, hear more about our programs, um, meet our students. We do have a scholar summit that surrounds our Explosion of a Dream event in uh, September, the date this year, September 23rd, uh, 2023 at the Mountain Shadows Resort. And so um, that's where we bring all the students together. We have workshops uh, tailored towards their professional development, and certainly there's opportunities um, that lie there as well. So there's so many um, options. I would say the least time intensive way to get involved is to um, go to our website, elevatemed.org. You can click and sign up for our newsletter, which is sent annually or monthly, not annually. Um, and you will find our annual impact report there. And also people can follow us on social media. So that's a way to just learn more about the organization. What I'd like to do is, is close this conversation now with... Um, talking about how the local medical community has responded, the schools, the organizations who have partnered with you to support the scholarships that you have and the programs that you have for the students. Dr. Humphrey, if you could uh, let us know, you know, how receptive has the local medical community been to Elevate Med so far and, and, and what's next? Uh, the community has been very positive. Um, they've been able to provide um, applicants to our program um, who have who have really embraced all the things that, that the uh, program has to offer um, through Mayo Clinic, uh, AT Still, and through uh, the University of Arizona. You know, here in Arizona, it seems like uh, things are uh, really taking, taking hold. Excellent. Dr. Porter, anything else from your view about um, what you think is next for partnerships to try to grow here in Arizona and grow in the Valley? Yeah, as a fifth largest metropolitan city, the um, opportunities for our growth here in Phoenix, I think, are um, abundant. So as Greg mentioned, we have um, the pleasure of having supported students, not just from Mayo Clinic, but also from AT Still, uh, University of Arizona campuses, both in Tucson and Phoenix. Of course, we would love the opportunity to have our scholarship available at all of the medical students, uh, at all the medical schools in the state of Arizona. Um, but certainly need their support. We also are looking for, um, we're so grateful for the support from the Maricopa County uh, Medical Society, but we also know there are healthcare organizations in our city that have um, uh, stated that they're committed to health equity and reducing disparities. And so um, we look forward to having conversations with groups like Banner and Dignity and Honor um, to really ensure that they're aware of the great work that we're doing with Elevate Med because we recognize that we're cultivating the next generation of diverse physician leaders. And certainly we should have some alignment with their priorities as well. Thank you both so much for being here. Uh, congratulations on, on launching this, the impact that you've had for students here in Arizona, but around the country. Uh, if people have questions or want to connect, please visit elevatemed.org check out the programs that they have, uh, donate, open your wallets um, and donate to support the students for sure. 
but also your time to, to help out with the students to connect with them, to provide a, a mentorship, uh, leadership capabilities and experience, especially for anyone who could match with underrepresented students. So here in Arizona, I think of particular need is um, uh, anyone from American Indian background, anyone who is uh, basically non-white Caucasian physician, uh, more female physicians, more black African-American physicians. Um, that is a great need here in Arizona so that we can hold on to the talent we have and grow it here within the five, six medical schools that we have. The Medical Society will continue to be a willing partner and uh, we look forward to the next gal event that you have to get some doctors out. But thank you so much to doctors Alex Porter and Greg Humphrey. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having us. Thanks, John. This production is brought to you by Maricopa County Medical Society. MCMS is increasing value for physicians throughout the valley. For more info, check out mcmsonline.com or simply give us a call at 602-252-2015, helping physicians be the best they can be.